<laughs> Booyah, Shane. You always had a situation in a big way, man. express myself sometimes when I need to be properly different. Fuck. Welcome to the Lockdown Podcast. There will be a jingle there. We just got to figure out how to do it tomorrow. <laughs> um, so the basis of the podcast is pretty much just discuss this very unusual situation that we're in how it might affect us all um, and individually the future implications and also as a side note uh, how it affects our training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in a whole you know and moving forwards so um, each evening we look to have a guest or guests uh, we'd like you to post in and ask some questions for us to bring up for discussion points. Anything uh, that you want to um, maybe sound out and hopefully in the future we'll have some phone-ins. So um, we're really looking forward to getting some decent content eventually when we uh, figure out our technical issues. So apologies for that. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to ask everyone to introduce themselves that's on the podcast tonight. Um, and I guess we'll start with Jordan. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, please, Jordan. Hi, I'm Jordan, uh, 7.5. Uh, I'm a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a garden designer slash landscape architect. Perfect. Um, next up, Adam Keeley. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, David. My Hello. name's Adam. <laughs> Uh, I'm a black belt in BJJ. I own a business with my business partner, someone called David Waters. We've got a, a gym in Verwood, quite a successful gym. We've had to put that on uh, shutdown because of the impended dramas. And in my daytime, I am a civil engineer and I deal with health and safety and quality issues. Perfect. Uh, Kerry, please introduce yourself, my man. Hi, I'm Kerry, uh, more commonly known as Sea Dog at the gym. Um, I don't know much about BJJ, but I can tell you all about Krav Maga. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for work, Kerry? What do you do for work? Um, for work, um, I work at the uh, Arch University in Bournemouth as a, a technician demonstrator for animation and visual effects and things like that. Amazing. Techno mm. And Ryan, introduce yourself, please. Hello, I'm Ryan. Everyone calls me Kronk, because that's my last name. I'm a uh, jiu-jitsu black belt, three strikes. <laughs> um... <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> I'm a blue belt. Um, I've trained in <laughs> lovely. Um, <laughs> I work for the RNLI as a service management analyst, which 
is about as exciting as it sounds. Um, I love jiu-jitsu. I don't like coronavirus. Amazing. You love yeah. Perfect. And lastly, introduce myself. My name is Dave Waters. Um, I, for the last 20 years, worked in emergency services and fire service. I'm currently a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've been in martial arts a long time. And I also don't like the coronavirus. Um, so uh, the way this is going to work is we are going to ask a set of questions to each other. Um, we've had a bit of prior warning about what the questions are going to be. Uh, and for discussion and um, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on each question um, just really uh, digging down finding out about uh, the subject matter and opinions and uh, what it means to the communities and then we'll uh, move on to another question so first up I'm going to ask probably um, a question that I guess a lot of people are thinking at the moment and there probably isn't an answer um, so it's going to be completely uh, opinion based. So as layman, um, the current government response, is it the right one? Uh, and if not, uh, what do we think we should be doing now? Uh, and that's it. And that goes out to all of you guys. So someone tee off on that one, please. It's difficult. It's, they can't just go bang, everyone stay at home. Unless, unless we're in the in the shit, can they? They've got to mm. rip it to us. I guess the question is that why can't they? And 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 how have other people been able to do that? And I, and I guess this is my showing my lack of understanding um, on the matter. But other countries have, so far as we can tell, proven that that is how it works. To flat the curve whatever the new age language is mm. um but why have we not done it why can't we do it is there is there something stopping us is it is it more of a, a, a bigger economical issue that i'm i'm missing uh, but that's what it is cash all those other governments have put cash incentives in place for the population of businesses communist countries you know china what they say goes and that's that's what happens there yeah. france italy um i don't know about spain but no I know France has got some big economic um, benefits for their population. But we're starting to look at that now, aren't we? So what Uncle Boris said today, that's sort of starting to come into line a little bit. And what did he say? So uh, support for businesses, they can get a loan on a grant. Um, Nothing's really in stone. They promised a load of of money. But um, next week, that's going to be coming out in full. so basically, they, they want to support businesses and business support individuals for, for a business. But it still hasn't covered self-employed people. Um, you know, even doing what we do, they've, they've mentioned um, leisure. But, you know, it's not specifically, but are they going to pay our rent for us? don't know. Are we going to have to get a massive mm-hmm. loan to pay the rent and then be in debt for the next 10 years paying it off? You know, it's a hard one, isn't it? I did read that they uh, a lot of the banks were offering mortgage holidays and stuff, which um, they then obviously intend to pass through to like the buy to let 
market. Is that as just well, for businesses, Gronk? I think it's for everyone. I think um, from what was on the old Guardian this morning in their um, mm. how will this affect me financially area, they said that that it a lot of the financial institutions in the UK were working together to offer these mortgage holidays, <coughs> um, rent holidays. They were going to basically, I mean, the interest rates are nothing now anyway, are they? But they're going to extend people's credit card limits and stuff that... Well, we get through this, this period, <laughs> but they're not going to expect payment um, <laughs> during this period. You know, it's because they've just changed all the overdraft laws as well, haven't they? So they're that's more expensive credit now than just borrowing on a credit card. And so I bet they still take my direct debits first of the month in April. Hundred percent. I bet they all my direct debits come out. Like, I think you've got to negotiate with your bank. I think if, if it's yeah. going to be an issue for you paying your mortgage, you can ring them up yeah. and say. <coughs> I guess. I, I guess. Um, my did point... you catch wind of what Trump's just done? So he, he wants to give everyone in America a thousand dollars. Yeah. Universal <laughs> benefit. That's been touted for years. Yeah. It's a. But, um, uh, they're all lacking. Some of them are lacking healthcare. That's the thing. Yeah, that's. And that's like another mortgage, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what will show them up through this, I think. Mm. Yeah. Like a national health service. Mm. I mean, I guess what my question was really pointing at is, should we be just staying indoors and hibernating for two weeks? Or is it right that we are doing this sort of semi-phased, you know, a guidance, you know, do what you want sort of thing? It, would we, you know... What do people think? Is it one or is it the other? Should we be just locking ourselves down and, and taking that approach, or is this is this the right way to go around it? I think, I think there should be a personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Kerry, what were you saying? Sorry, mate. I, I, I said I, I reckon lock it down. To, you know, keep everyone off the streets for a couple of weeks, and this thing will burn itself out. You know, if you've got people running around, uh, you know, just you know the. People are still going out clubbing. People are still going out for dinners. Uh, you know, if you've gone off government just advice rather rather than a government order, mm. you know, it, it's, it's different. It's, it's hard because Brits are used to being able to do what the hell they want when they want. Mm. You know, communist China, no problem. We'll stay indoors. You know, but here it's a different ball game. You're dealing with liberalism. You know. Do you think it's more cultural that that we're not? Do you think it's cultural that they're not? asking us just to stay indoors or do you think it's um do you think it, it is more logistics that they're not asking us to stay indoors um i think that in the back of their mind well at the front of their mind they got the economy that's that's their baby you know that it's always you know whereas in other countries it might be you know the nation make sure the people are fine in the uk money money's the king you know with a Hot better capitalism. I'm just going to get a battery for these things. Uh, sorry, I've got to plug them in. I'll be back. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think it's logistic or do you think it's cultural? What, what's, what's, what, do you, what are your thoughts? I think it's logistic uh, from the standpoint that, uh, you know, they want the economy to keep on going. But I think it's kind of up to the person to decide whether, you know, it's common sense to 
meet in small groups or larger congregations. So, of course, you don't want people going out in big groups and things like that or going to places with loads of different people. But, you know, say if it's like the odd one-to-one meeting or something that could still keep the books turning over, that's in maybe a more contained environment. So, for example, for me, going to a client's house to visit them or something to that effect is less of uh, impact than me, say, going to a big conference with loads of people there. So I think it's, um, yeah, like for small businesses, I think just things to keep things ticking over uh, rather than big business, loads of people congregating together. Uh, so a bit of both, I think, really. Adam? Yeah, I think it's the economy. Um, n- not disparaging any other gyms by any means, but in Dorset, we've closed our gym. So's a number of other gyms. Um, and that's mainly for public safety. Other people haven't closed their gyms, and now that's either they don't care or they can't close because of money issues. Um, the government's done it <clears throat> as a non-order because if the government tells you to do something, you've got to do it, and then they've got to pay you. Mm-hmm. So I think they're doing it as a like almost a soft start, get everyone to close down and be responsible. But um, you know, not not here or anything, but a lot of people are keeping their kids off school at the minute. There's a lot of people. Um, scared hiding which is in their right i've seen all those i've seen all those films all those scary films yeah i'll tell you what was really interesting was that the the fa the premier league um all of all of the, the various football administrations in us in this country all got together last week and made the decision to cancel all the games way before the government withdrew the emergency services support mm. So they either knew it was coming and the government have had a word and said that they'll guarantee a certain percentage of the income that those companies would be getting. Or they said, you might as well do this before we do it. I don't know whether it's a, it's a it's gamesmanship or something, but it, it was interesting that they they yeah. took the step before the Preempted government. It. Or do yeah. you think they're taking well, better advice? <laughs> I mean, that, well, that's, well, that's the other thing. <laughs> you know, it, it, ha, there's been a lot of questions about how good the advice the government's been getting and I guess it's one of these things where the proof's in the pudding isn't it you don't know until it all comes out in the wash which country dealt with it best that that's going to be the thing but Mm. when you see a lot like like you said like the FA pulling out and making really really big money moves cancelling you know football matches and gatherings before guidance has come out um, it does make me wonder whether they know something we don't, um, whether, whether they feel like they might be liable for something or um, they don't want to be involved in the mass spreading of a virus if, if that's, you know. Well, it's, yeah. it's corporate responsibility, isn't it? You know, yeah. They, they, we've had, uh, we're supposed to have some guest lecturers down, but the companies themselves have imposed travel bans on their employees. So you've right. got to think, well, if if corporations are taking the lead on this rather than government, it's, I, I don't know, is that comforting or worrying, you know? It's kind of, it, they don't seem to have much of an idea in, in Westminster unless they've got an idea mm-hmm. of how bad it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, interestingly enough, episode two, um, <clears throat> I've got my brother-in-law joining us. He's currently in lockdown in Spain. He lives in Valencia. Um 
he's a graphic designer out there and, and he's going to give us a little insight about you know how he thinks um i know he's got a definite opinion on how he thinks spain are performing over how he thinks the uk are performing in this because he's got a little bit of an insight in both camps um so that is going to be an interesting comparison uh, to make uh, so that is tomorrow night episode two we're going to be having a chat with him and getting a little bit of an insight also what it's like to be on proper lockdown because i'm guessing everybody's yeah. in the same thought process that we are going to get there at some stage is that yeah, yeah for sure am I right mm. yeah I it's, we're on it's, monday it's a light version now isn't it we yeah. just they're just drip feeding it to us it's it, it's almost a like can we can we get everyone to get behind it in a week and a half so that we don't actually have to bother enforcing it but yeah. the issue is going to be when everyone is at home out of work getting pissed for 12 weeks yeah making babies mate that's what they're going to be doing i've done two days i can't do anymore I can't do any more. Please and, help me. And I think that probably leads us quite nicely, actually, <laughs> onto Adam's question, really, because it, it comes down to, you know, um, the individual possibly. So do you want to read your question out, Ad, and then we'll have a yeah. stab at that. And <coughs> So how's the situation affected your personal finances like now, immediately and in the near term and long term? So a little bit of background for me. Um I'm a civil engineer in the daytime, um, so I've got an office job mainly. But the uh, the company actually does construction work, which is um, very simply banging big bits of steel into the ground with big cranes and big bits of kit. Um, majority of that steel comes from China. China's now been on shutdown for a while. All that steel, you're not going to get. You're not going to be able to buy it. Um, so that's going to be the future. Um, my son on Sunday night had a temperature, so um, we kept him off school. And um, obviously Monday was when the first little announcement from the government was, if anyone in your family has any symptoms, keep everyone from the family in lockdown. So that's what we've now done. So um, uh, me, my wife and my two kids, three kids are all off school. Um, and I, I can work at home, so I'm mm. working at home. Um, so that's me. Um, went to buy some food, shelves of rat, nothing there. Um, my normal food, not you know, I haven't I haven't stockpiled anything apart from toilet rolls. <laughs> we've got. <laughs> I want people to fight me for. It. <laughs> so no, so seriously. from from that point of view, Ad, you're you're linked with the construction industry. Um, you know, and and building does sort of align itself quite nicely with the economy. Um, you know, up and down when when the economy's good, plenty of building going on, and and you know, vice versa. How how do you see this affecting the construction industry moving forwards? You know, say we're out of this in a you know six months time. You know, do you see a, a bounce back or? So, the, London's always been the powerhouse of um, construction in the uk um i suspect london will be put on some sort of quarantine first and it will spread from there throughout the country um yeah. i speak to suppliers pretty much daily really um a couple of suppliers have told me they can't give us orders um because it involves going into london for the future this is so two three weeks time um 
obviously they know the writing's on the wall. There's going to be a big sort of lockdown or risk risk factor for their delivery drivers coming into sites, meeting people. Um, so we've got some potential issues there. That's construction wide, I think. Mm. Um, mm. Obviously, money, cash flow, that's always an issue. If no one's working, um, if, if everyone does go into lockdown mode, no one will be able to make money. George, mm. mm. well, we've got quite a mix of, I guess, um, uh, vocations, jobs, whatever you want to call them. George, you're, you own a small business. Is that fair to say? You're an independent business person. Um, um, I'm more just self-employed. Um, so I do sort of uh, garden design and landscape design. Uh, I mainly just work with a couple of local clients. Um, so sort of build companies, which I do the designs for, and then they implement the builds. Um, at the end of the month, I'm actually being taken on by one of the companies. Well, supposed to be. Mm. Um, fingers crossed nothing happens with that. But I think generally, because I'm more in the kind of luxury business, in the sense where, you know, it's mainly the wealthy people who are going to be, you know, wanting the high-end gardens, it all really depends on if the market affects them, I suppose. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, I mean, certain things like, say, if someone has something that's structurally unsafe and they need replaced generally they will still probably seek the work. Um, as far as things like suppliers, um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, a lot of our planting stuff comes from Italy or London-based suppliers, so I don't really know how that's going to be impacted. Um, but as far as sort of day-to-day -day work, I've probably got about a month and a half's work to tide me over. There is possibility of doing my work remotely, but it all really depends on what happens with, uh, you know, the people who have the wealth or the people who are interested in the business. And if they're, you know, going to be frugal or if they're still going to be able to afford this sort of stuff. Right. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned wealth because the uh, obviously the, the markets have collapsed and they're still collapsing. Mm. So um, people that were rich mm. are now probably 20, 30 percent minimum. Mm. Uh poorer and yeah. that you know not conspiracy theorist when we get to sea dogs question i've got an interesting <laughs> theory a very interesting how, <laughs> how, how far down do you think it's got to go ad for it to affect the 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 luxury market do you, do you, you know i mean how where has it got to go has it got to change their lifestyle you know i, I think we're gonna, or... we're gonna see a lot of nationalization we're gonna see a lot of companies going bust getting handouts um Virgin, for example, don't want to disparage anyone, but you know, if, you, if you've seen that going on in the news, a lot of money being asked for, um, you won't be the only one. There'll be loads of companies and they will get bailed out and some won't. Um, true capitalism in effect, but when the markets crash and there's no money and no liquidity, everything goes a bit, bit pear shaped. Yeah, and See, people yeah. that sorry, no, go ahead, mate. So, people that were rich are now going to be a little bit poorer. Yeah. Sea Dog, you're in education. Um, you know, how, how do you? I mean, I, I, is it a stable place to be? How do you feel it's going to affect educational establishments moving forwards? Um, I think, well, at the moment, it's. Uh, I think the students themselves are, are pretty scared because a lot of them are, a lot of them are choosing to work from home straight away um uh 
but for, we've had this chat in work and um, from what we've sort of come to the conclusion is uh, when, when times are bad economically, people tend, those that can afford to, tend to study. I don't know, they think, right, I've got to retrain, I've got to, I've got to get a job. I don't know. It, whether that materialises, I mean, I, I did my first degree during the, what, 2010, was it two, 2009, 2010 financial crisis? 2009, yeah, 2008. Yeah, 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 yeah it, it, it didn't then, because uh, I, I needed to get out of Dodge and, and just, you know, make more money. And it wasn't necessarily market driven, but I, I don't know. I'd like to think it's safe, <laughs> you yeah. know, because I think a lot of people now in uh, in the education sector and uh, they have well, they're sort of they're, they're looking at empty classrooms, um, and they're having to do distance learning through webcasts and uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, films, talk sessions, things like that. So it's distance learning now. But then again, they do say that that's a new model. Every university should be sort of floating towards. So whether that gives them a, you know, push and shove in that direction, I'm not sure. But um, this it's going to cause ripples. You know, um, I just don't, I can't see where it's going to go. Um, you think it's going to change student life in the future? Do you think that this is this is almost the start of you know, halls being dissipated, you know, because this, this has got to be a hotbed for a virus spreading like this pandemic. We're going to be hearing about this for donkey's years to come. You know, how do you stop this sort of thing happening again? Do you think that educational establishments are going to seriously look at how they teach people and go, listen, you know, do you all need to be in this one place together? Um, it's always going to come down to bottom line, isn't it? Uh, money money talks and unless it's written into law i can't i can't really imagine much shifting in the way of of change um it, it's got to be social change whereas uh you know you know i don't know if you've seen it quite often you see the hand hand sanitizers that bolted to the wall now you know every every classroom uh every lecture hall at work at the moment they've got the pump there as you go in you sterilize yourself mm. um that that could be a, a, a that could be a standard thing to see, you know, where you you're more you're more conscious of what you you could be carrying, but um you know it's, a lot of people do come into work and they, you know, you get that team mentality where you know I might be hanging I might be really ill but I'll come in because I don't want to let people down, but really you are because you, <laughs> you 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 you're spreading everything out there and I've done it I'm guilty of it I gave my mate Carl. A hanging cold last week and put him off work for two days <laughs> yeah. you know but it's, it's because i didn't oh i know mate I, that's it kiss of death you know but um they just didn't give him herpes that was last year mate <laughs> i was in lisbon yeah, so yeah. I, I guess the other person here is you cronk because you actually work for a registered charity that's right isn't it, it yeah or an is a charity um yeah. so that is quite an interesting case in point i mean probably one of the best fun or one of the better funded charities <clears throat> is, yeah. is would i be right in saying that um what do you think the effect is for your sort of sector well the bottom line of the rnli is that if the office in pool shut down 
Mm. And no, no one went to work and the people that volunteer on the boats would still go out and volunteer on the boats. Right. So even even if none of us went to work and all of us was, were made redundant and uh, we couldn't, they just laid us all off for four months. The blokes that get on the boats and go out when there's a shout, when the Coast Guard rings, they would still go out. Um, so they they need us as a support service to them, but they're the kind of blokes that would just get on with it and do it anyway. So the, the actual life-saving service would probably still carry on. But um, we support that. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of IT infrastructure behind it. There's a lot of IT infrastructure behind all the other, you know, the finance teams. And the, one of the massive things that we we look at at the moment, which actually fuels a lot of the uh, money saving that we do, as well as the money earning that we do when we're going out and and asking people to donate to us, is is data and, and insights, which is like they're, they're massive, massive push at the minute. Um, yeah. I mean, I know you're saying that, and that's a really valid point. It's something I've got a little bit of knowledge on that you're saying that the people would still be out, go out and do um, the, you know, the, the Coast Guard calls. They would still jump on the boats, but it's a little bit different to how it used to be 50 years ago, isn't it? It's not like you know, um, someone rings a bell in the village and everyone just runs down to the boat and gets in because now it is so much more the actual calling out of those individuals is done through a, a pager system through vision is it on in a control yeah, yeah. room it's, it's basically modeled on the fire service yeah so you can't you, although everybody would say you know and people do say now they say it in the fire service you know the, the trucks would still go out the doors the trucks have got to get to know when to go out the doors yeah, yeah. and that is done through a very very um uh, detailed advanced technological system it doesn't always work very well doesn't always isn't always the best but it that is how it's operated now so although yeah it, it you know frontline services are mega important it doesn't really operate without the the kind of the backroom stuff and being a charity uh, i guess almost more importantly that pool office the way they gather the money is kind of essential so without that I would say from a, and I'm t- talking like completely don't know how the business model uh, it, for the charity works. But I would say if you didn't have that backroom set of staff, you probably don't have much of a future um, as far as generating new income. Because it doesn't even though, you know, these are not guys in a dinghy anymore. You know what I mean? That we've yeah, moved yeah. on like 50 years. You know, these guys are in like mega high tech boats yeah. that require you know, full-on engineering solutions and professionals to come and fix them. So we can't revert, we can't rewind years and go back to steam and and take this stuff back. Do, do you see where I'm coming from? I'm making sense yeah. of that. We, you know. We're we're quite lucky in that the majority of us, well, certainly in in IT where I work, we've all got laptops. We've got a VPN. We can all dial in with with the technology that. IT firms generally use now, like Microsoft uh, Office 365, you can access all the shit you need to access with a username and a password. So you don't, none of it's on premises. It's all it's all hosted by Microsoft. So you can get to it. You don't 
you don't even need a VPN for a lot of it, depending on, on your solution. So I can do my job with a work laptop without a work laptop. I can do it on my phone um, if I have to. So I'm lucky. And there's a lot of us that can do that, but there are going to be some of us that can't. Um, a lot of our fundraising is done by volunteers, so they're not paid. But obviously now we're not going to be able to do face-to-face -face fundraising activities, so the majority of that is going to have to be done online. Um, but then we get an awful lot of money through our online fundraising activities. Last year, the, the Daily Mail ran a story about us helping people in Bangladesh. Um, and there were loads of people that were upset about us helping people in Bangladesh because they, they die at a ridiculous rate out there because they can't swim. Um, and off the back of that, we had like the most successful campaign that we'd, we'd had in, in about a year because Stephen Fry posted it. And that prompted a load of people that, you know, support international aid from the rnli to donate so we had a ridiculous amount of money we lost a certain amount of donations but we gained like double three times the amount that we would have just from one celebrity posting about it basically um mm. so that that's a huge thing and it only takes you know a few interested people on twitter or instagram or whatever to donate a fiver and all of a sudden you've got a shitload of money coming in that you wouldn't have normally I guess it's how much of that disposable income is going to exist, you know, after a year. And I guess that um, that leads me on to... There's going um, to be no one at the beach. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Who's going to be there to, yeah. to rescue? But I guess that sort of leads me on to your question, Kerry. Do you want to ask your question? Because that, that's kind of pertinent for that situation. Yeah, so mine was... Um... So I'm not overly scared of the virus, even though I'm, I'm asthmatic, um, but it's been under control for a long time. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite fit. Um, I'm only 37. But I'm not too stressed. Yeah. Um, but the ramifications of the virus sweeping globally, um, you know, with the the thought of the markets getting obliterated, um, you know, we've, we've realistically, we've only sort of just, if, you know, just recovered from the financial crisis um, and now we're being absolutely mullered by by COVID. <laughs> um, so uh, I just wondered what you lot thought of how this was going to affect our future life after the virus. Um, you know, forget the virus, um, this is going to happen. It's the it's the what ifs and, uh, and it's the dangers that, that may lie ahead in the ripples caused by it, really. Yeah, Jordan, any 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 ideas on that? What do you think would be going to be the ramifications Ooh, moving forwards? I mean, I think generally there probably would be some form of snowballing. So, you know, it uh, starts off with one valve turning off somewhere and then it's slow drip feeds, slow drip feeds, and then it's uh, kind of one of those things where it just, yeah, snowballs from there. Um, mm. And, yeah, I think it's just going to affect everybody sort of up and down the chain, really. Um and I think it's going to be sort of every three months or so, there's probably going to be something that changes. Um, uh, yeah. Ad, you got any ideas? Yeah, I've got some controversial ones as well. But, um... oh, yeah, you were going to say you had some controversial theories on this. Let's, let's hear it. 
So, um, not that I'm a weirdo by any means, but if you know me, you know me. <laughs> There's um, it's been a lot of stuff with banking for years now, trying to go to cashless. You know, you don't need you don't need money. Um, again, been in science fiction books for years. You know, people were saying. Use Amazon as an example. You work for Amazon, you get paid in Amazon dollars. You buy your food from Amazon dollars. You buy a house, your mortgage from Amazon dollars. You, you work within that system run by a big corporation. Um, that could work. Or uh, a one world currency. So everyone is, um, your individual currency, your currency is worthless. If you can't buy anything with your money, um, what's money worth? Money, money is only a, an idea. Um, you know, the value of a fiver is only a value of a fiver because everyone agrees that's what it is. You know, mm-hmm. if you go to if you go to a shop and someone says, right, normal days, not now, normal days, you go to buy a loaf of bread, that'd be ten pounds, please, mate. Nah, mate, I go to the next shop and buy it for a quid. If someone suddenly said this loaf of bread is now worth a hundred pounds and it's the only loaf of bread left in the world, you have to pay a hundred pounds. That'll soon collapse. That doesn't work. So. Um, you know the way the markets are crashing there's gonna to have to be some form of um intervention from all the governments around the world um and i just think we, we're maybe not now but we're getting closer and closer to a, a radical change in how we deal with money so do you think like this this could be a situation where you ask people to i mean i'm just using this as an example you ask people to lock down and rather than give them money you give them what is effectively food and, yeah, and actually, yeah. do you need anything? You know, I, I'm asking, it's, it's a, not a question I know the answer. Do you, what else do you need? You know, um, if you pause everybody's gas and, you know, water bills and electric bills and mortgage payments, then actually all you are concerned about is medication, which... Your monthly jiu-jitsu membership. Your monthly jiu-jitsu <laughs> membership. But then if, if, if there is no, if there's no result of money, then why do you need to pay a monthly jiu-jitsu membership if there's facilities provided then i'm guessing this is where you're going that actually yeah money money's only a a, uh an idea you know do you you go down this route where like there's a global reset on economy you know bang you know everybody's back to zero every you know africa you're back to zero you know britain you're back to zero you know everybody starts from afresh and actually you know, you know, wealth is a concept at the end of the day, isn't it? Mm. If you're fed and watered and you live in a house, then I mean, I don't know. Is that something that am I, have I gone into a fantasy? No, land? No, no, that's, that... that's that's what think... you know, what you described there is like how communism was supposed to work. Mm. Everyone everyone gets the bare minimum, and then depending on your stature and what you do, you know, if you're a scientist, you get a nicer flat. If you're a, if you work in a coal mine do a hard job and that kind of stuff but you don't you don't necessarily get a nice a nice flat that's sort of how it, have you um which is uh, a brave new world yes yeah yeah it's like that it's that system is it, is it yeah. better to be happy or free yeah happy free well yeah it depends if you take soma or not mate yeah <laughs> <laughs> we would do we yeah. would do a massive recession though yeah, yeah. But while, yeah. while all this stuff's going on, there's a big oil price war going on between yeah. between the um, Arab countries and America currently. And that's all just being forgotten about. Mm. That's dropping prices anyway. I mean, how, how, 
How do you think conspiracy theories? Uh, do you think conspiracy theories are welcome in times like these? I mean, I no. know you know people like to consider you know the ifs wise, you know someone else knew, blah blah. But socially, do you think you know you 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 um? What do you reckon, George? Do you think people accept or should people think of conspiracies in these times? Uh, I think at the moment, like, I mean, you look at what's going on with the media at the moment, like uh, the second one person's buying a crazy amount of toilet paper, everyone thinks, right, I need to buy a crazy amount of toilet paper as well. So everyone's kind of like, (laughs) (laughs) everyone's just kind of following along. And I have a feeling that if sort of too much misinformation gets put out there, uh, yeah, like it could just end up snowballing and people doing drastic things when they don't even need to. Uh, so I think conspiracy theories, like I, I love conspiracy theories. I think they're a lot of fun and it is always interesting to talk. But I think just if conspiracy theories are given to too many people who take it as fact, yeah. then yeah. it could sort of, yeah, yeah com- complete uh, chaos out there. People start mm. stabbing people for toilet roll. Mm. <laughs> people start doing all sorts of crimes because they think they're justified because they think they're in a bigger crisis than they actually are. Um, And then it just, yeah, goes completely out of control and there's no way to kind of rein it back in. Um, And then people will just completely shut out the media altogether and go on these conspiracy theories as opposed to what the media is saying. I agree. I think you've got to have a, you've got to have a critical mind. You always question, you know, almost like it sounds ridiculous now, but when you speak to your kids, you don't tell them everything. You tell them what they need to know. I think we're the yeah. same. We're we're told what we need to know. You don't need to know everything. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But Jordan, you made a good point about misinformation, and and it's funny because it's it's two sided, isn't it? Because it, like you only have to look at Facebook. Um, I, I only follow basically. I'm only friends with people from the gym because I sacked it all off for a couple of years. So same. <laughs> I, yeah. So um. But it's interesting that just from the people that I know from the gym and from people that other people obviously know from the gym that I see on my feed, you see two different sides of it. You see absolute utter panic. Yeah. Um, and then you see people that just absolutely have no idea how, how many people are dying from this thing. Like so, someone posted something earlier, literally about two hours ago, about how it only kills 50 people a day. But if you go on the front page of the BBC website, you can see that 350 odd people in Italy died today. Mm. So, you know, mm. that's a head in the sand thing. Mm. But then you've got, yesterday I went to Macro and <laughs> people are wearing marigolds, masks. They're trying to buy bulk buy toilet roll. Um, yes. we, we <laughs> nappies are out of stock everywhere. So we went there to nappies. People were bulk buying blue roll. Like, you know, that would change my, my considerably. Old man, that's clear up oil. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't want to be flushing that down your toilet. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's so when the plumbers are going to be making money afterwards, yeah, clearing yeah. out everybody the drainage cleaners. People love the people that love a conspiracy theory will always listen to a conspiracy theory. They'll they'll always entertain it because well, that's just how they think. Yeah, again, not to, not to name any names, but as someone we're all probably friends of on Facebook has posted loads of stuff. And some of it is, ah, that sounds right. And then you read it a bit more and you think, what the hell's going on here? 
I think there's a big difference, isn't there, between conspiracy theory though and being misinformed. And yeah. I think yeah. the, the one thing that sort of stood out quite a lot for me in this is that the numbers just haven't rung true to me. Um, the differences in numbers of infections between countries and the, the death rates and who's been counted as part of that death toll and who hasn't been part of that. I'm not saying I'm blaming anyone. I'm not saying it's a lie. But what I'm saying is that I think it's affected by what country tests, what country doesn't test. Yeah. Unfortunately, what happens in the end is I, I personally kind of feel like I'm just n- not taking in the information because it's rubbish. Does anyone else feel like that? Does anyone feel like they're just not really well, listening to you? You're yeah, overwhelmed they, by it constantly, and they haven't. They haven't. They're not testing anyone. Like, you know, again, not to be too just with us here, but we came back from Lisbon. Me and Dave, we came back from Lisbon in January, and we were ill, and we were ill for pretty much halfway through February, lingering on flu, flu-like symptoms, cold, cough, all that kind of stuff. Now, if this virus was free in, in China, November. There's plenty of time for someone to have gone to somewhere, meet, met someone, spread it, and then we've caught it in Lisbon, had it, or not had it, no one knows, come back, spread it around to everyone. People have had it, not had it, you know, there's no, there's no, um, there's no true number. My son being ill, his temperature, that's all he had a temperature, he's fine now, but was that it? Did he have it? And now he's got over it? It's crazy, no one knows. And this is like, you know, looking at, Mathematically, all the people that I've met in in a in a normal day, I meet loads of people. Especially when I'm teaching and training, I meet loads of people. So until they lock everyone down and get a good handle on tests, no one knows. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, Adam, that that is where the science is coming from to yeah. advise the, yeah. the the leaders of the country is coming from the numbers. Yeah. So so if the numbers aren't reliable, how can the advice from you know, the science be reliable. I, that is what bothers me. I think mm. that, that I, I, I sort of, I'm a bit skeptical about. I think it'd be worse when it? it'd be, it'd be worse than what we're being led to believe. I think was what the, uh... well, well it, what are seasonal, what are the seasonal deaths from flu this year? Does anybody know that? That hasn't been released. Is it? I don't know. Is it available? You know, it'd be interesting to know if there was a spike. You could attribute that to the virus. If it was out here, you know, early winter. Yeah, the the yeah. thing that the thing that sort of um not why me, but there's always been when I when I caught staff in twenty ten, twenty eleven. Mm. So I was talking to the doctor there and they were saying, Yeah, there's um the human race will basically die eventually from there be some either some flu or some um stuff like organism which will you just can't treat and mm. just go for everyone like wildfire and Maybe this is the beginning. It's not. This won't be the end of us, by any means. But then, I mean, another twenty years' time, same thing comes again. Does anyone well, know why it's COVID nineteen out of interest? Yeah, it's coronavirus. Um, something, something. Like twenty nineteen is when it started. Yeah, it's start. See, see that that is interesting in itself because it only mm. became really public knowledge. I would say this year, correct? Mm. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. how long has it been? prior no, to 2020 
November in China was when it all started. That's that's what I mean. How lively. Yeah. If we're yeah. thinking about how far and quickly this thing yes. is spreading in weeks, and then you think, well, actually, it's been around since November 2019. Well, we're we're coming up to nearly five months, you know, off off the back of that. Yeah, you're talking about the, you know, November, the whistle was blown by that doctor in China, yeah, who died from it. He succumbed to the virus. He succumbed to the CCP, uh, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so so that thing could have been rolling on for a couple of months. I said it, he was killed. Well, that, that, that's the thing. There you go. George's George, George going to quiet me down down there. There's conspiracy theorists, you know. But <laughs> this, this is the thing, you know. It, I can see where people who entertain the conspiracy theories get because after a five-minute chat that we've just had makes me mistrust information. Now, I'm not saying... Mm information is you know fabricated or it's been planted or whatever i'm not saying that but you know your your mind naturally goes to um question the truth of the information you've been told you know so um mm-hmm. okay. I've it. go on sorry George. what's frustrating about that though is is the information that we're told is obviously filtered to us through through whatever lens the uh, the government wants to deliver it to us but there are several agencies in this country that have been modelling pandemics for 30, 40 years. And they understand what's happening now. And they've understood that this was imminent for 30 or 40 years. Yeah, I've been totally ignored. Bill Gates predicted it. Yeah. In like 2014. Um, and I guess, like, I'm going to ask you your question uh, next, Kronk. Um because I think as we go on and do this podcast, we're probably going to delve a little bit deeper into what those theories are, because I think that has a real effect on what the outcomes. So do you want to read your question out, Kronk, and then we'll have a look at that? Yeah, I'll have to find it. Um, <laughs> oh, I have got them in two different apps. <laughs> So that I wouldn't do this. Um, so I want I I wonder if we'll learn from this, um, what we'll learn from it in terms of our response to future pandemics, but because we have known that it was imminent for for such a long time and we've done nothing. Like for example, Trump closed down the the pandemic wing yeah. of his government when he uh, when he early on in his presidency um, this just feels like another way that will have our privacy fucked mm. with well, he not only just he shut it down but he actually denied it was even it even existed at the beginning didn't he he, yeah. he actually almost poo pooed the whole prospect of it you know, being um, a pandemic, it was just the cold, and you're just going to get over it. And in America, we don't really get colds and things like that. So, I think um, those people are probably feeling pretty cheated at the moment. But, yeah. um, but what lessons do you think there are to learn? I mean, 
from this? Um, well, that that it happened. I think you have to take it seriously now. I think you've you've mm. had you've had companies and and scientists and 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 data scientists that have been warning about this for a long time. There was a I remember watching a BBC documentary maybe three years ago where they had an app um, called BBC Pandemic or something and all the people that downloaded it that were milling around with each other all infected each other and and it basically did exactly what this has done and it was on BBC One you know it was like this is what can happen in the event of a pandemic and I remember watching it thinking yeah sure sure like, I just, it just won't happen because we'll catch it earlier and you watch stuff like contagion or world war z and you think yeah zombie zombie apocalypse we'll catch it early or any any and any anything like that we'll catch it early but we haven't we were lucky with sars because it killed people quick enough that it didn't actually cause any issues it's a fair point yeah you know that could have been a fucking nightmare but you die quickly so this, this has an R0 of 2.2, which is the same as something like herpes, but you don't catch herpes from breathing next to each other. You catch coronavirus from being within two metres of each other or whatever it is. It's, mm. I, I think, mm. I mean, we will learn off the back of this how to deal with this because whatever numbers we see, the G7 countries will get together and say, this is how we dealt with it, this is how many people actually died. Um, in the news, we might see that South Korea dealt with it the best, but they might, you know, you might see a massive increase in the number of people that died in car accidents in South Korea all of a sudden just because they've. Yeah, because it's interesting about South Korea because they only shut down for like a couple of weeks, didn't they? And they they said they've got it all handled. They've got the lowest death rate, haven't they, so far? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Again, it's about numbers, though, isn't it? What's being mm. what's being announced? You know, is it true? Is that the true figure? Mm. I mean, we could be blamed the same. We're being told we're 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 better than Italy because we're you know a couple of weeks behind and they were they were way ahead of us at this stage. But it's about how true the figures are. It's you know you're mm. a mathematician, Ad. You know, at mm. the end of the day, you know if if the numbers don't add up, then surely statistically. You know, you can mm. draw whatever you want out of the figures, can't you? If if yeah. if, if they're incorrect, you can you can make it say whatever you want to say. If you look at the patterns, like over the past over the past ten years, so you know, we had swine flu, we had the jab for that, then swine flu disappeared, didn't it? If that was a bit of a scare, mm. we've had Ebola. I don't know how many times that sprung up in Africa, where the World Berkeley. Health Organization, uh, Sierra Leone. Congo, we've had we've had these bouts of Ebola pop up, and uh, and then H1N1, uh, and that was quite quickly. I think that that was one. Maybe you were talking about Cronk with the was it SARS? Sorry, with the high death rate. Yeah. But H1N1's got a death rate of thirty percent. Imagine, you know, imagine if coronavirus was thirty percent, would society still be holding itself together like you know like it is now? You know. If you're thinking, right, I've got a thirty percent chance of meeting my maker, mm. <laughs> you know, I don't think they'd be able to keep a lid on people. You know? No. The changes really is is going to be, uh, you know, like with the uh, global warming, 
you know, the, the, the environmental sort of industry sprang from that. I mean, maybe we'll see a, a you know, a, a clean and hygiene industry spring from this. Could it create? You know, I don't know what you guys think. Well, that, that scares me a little bit because um, we all like touching each other closely. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so imagine if they that's now said you can't thing. do that. That's now banned. Do we all take up unhanded fighting people with your chi? Do we start doing that? Chi fighting? That is... It's not going to work, is it? I, I think the thing is that actually with human nature and just talking about what Adam was saying as far as like um, monetary being affected, I think lessons tend to be most learned when it costs the most amount of money, not necessarily when it costs the most amount of lives. And I know that sounds like really a callous thing to say, but because the whole global, you know, attitude of well, a lot of the global attitude is based on money, economy, wealth, and, you know, how much better than you're doing than the next person. It seems to be that the only lessons we may learn and this is what scares me is not how to make people safer but actually how to stop people getting poorer um and not necessarily the poor people it's 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 the people who are running the show the business the people who at the moment rightly or wrongly keep the world going round you know with the with the with the jobs and the finances and things like that so um one part of Kronk's question was about uh, privacy and how will it affect our privacy? And, and interestingly, again, another subject I think is going to last us for the week is that there's, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of laws that have changed um, about criminality and about being, you know, uh, charged for absconding or not doing what you're told. And I wonder whether this will be the start of a reduction in your your rights to personal data do you know what i mean you've got gdpr mm. I, I i don't think this you know when you get these um apps that they're using in china um to to, to uh, map how likely you are to contract the coronavirus and they're saying that actually really worked it really mm. worked in people you know in, uh, decreasing their own personal um chances and, and a, an increasing risk assessment um it's an interesting thought process, isn't it? That actually, by taking away people's civil civil liberties, you can make them safer, supposedly. Mm. Um, Back to conspiracy theories again, Dave. Martial law, lock everyone yeah. down, well, make some changes. It's funny. It's funny you say that because today Israel um, started to track. I've got it written down. They started to track the mobile phones of suspected coronavirus sufferers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He so, looks a bit coronary. <laughs> so that, that's, so that's legit news today. That was on, I think I got it from The Guardian, that the Israelis are now tracking suspected... You boys reading uh, The Guardian. The thing is, right, I think if, you'd, if you're going to go... It's like, like, like the Daily Fell. <laughs> you, you can, hey, the showbiz section's legit. Yeah. You can go to those measures in these sorts of times, but... You can't. You have to drop it, and that—that's the thing. I don't. I do not trust them to drop it. No, they won't. They keep it forever. Yeah. That's it. Done. 
Yeah, like the like the laws they've made to to criminalise certain activities. They 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 don't make laws and then quash them. They make nah. laws and keep them. So you know, if you you're going out on a walk and they decide they want to arrest you, they'll arrest you under the COVID nineteen Act of two thousand and twenty. Did that with the Terrorism Act? Yeah, they did the same. They did. It was Section Seven. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You could get detained under a terrorism section just because you you got stopped and searched in your BMW. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah. so yeah. in interesting times. I think that these are going to come up, and I'd like to hear people um, who are listening in. You know, if you've got questions about um, you know, conspiracy theories about um, you know, future implications, you know, put them up on the um, Facebook page or private message us. Um, you could be anonymous. We won't name you. So just ask questions and we can have a chat about it. Uh, I so. think one more thing just to add on to the whole sort of conspiracy theory tangent, I think as well with everything that's gone down with the media for probably the past sort of six, seven years or so, the media's generally been pretty inconsistent with how it's predicted how things have panned out, say, with politics, with elections, Brexit, all these sorts of things. So people straight away are like, okay, I need to read four or five different news sources to try and base my own evidence and make my own mind up. Hence why people, I think, are leaning more towards conspiracy theories from the standpoint, they can't trust the media because the yep. media's lied to them about six or seven times. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, there's a lot of mistrust, I think. And I actually think you're right, George. There's a lot of mistrust for politicians. And, and you know, there's the, you know, even if you only look on, um, you know, expenses scandals, that even that alone creates mistrust. And then when you have, you're putting that your lives essentially in their hands, um, you know, but people are going to be very, very skeptical about the information that they they absorb and and how they deal with it. So I think you're absolutely right um, on mm. that. I think it, it, you know, as we move on with this, it'll be interesting to see how skeptical people get. Will you be able to contain someone who doesn't believe you? <laughs> you know, yeah. as a as as a government. Yeah. How are you going to contain <clears throat> someone who can't wipe their ass because they've got no toilet paper? I know that's like really but, trivial, but that that is kind of one person's denial and perception of the situation is whether they comply or not. You know what I mean? There, there were people in the Second World War that refused to be evacuated. Mm. Yes, absolutely. They got, they got the fuck bombed out of them. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Because they didn't they didn't want to go to Wales and and live. Yeah, uh, who, who can blame them? Oh, <laughs> the Welsh going to be out for that. I think as well another thing is the way that these sort of pandemics are portrayed in movies and things like that as well I think that does play into people's perception that because we see it so much we're just desensitized and we think oh yeah there's a massive pandemic oh they'll be able to contain it like in the movies oh there'll be a miracle doctor somewhere who'll fix it oh there'll be some sort of mythical way to keep a barrier up or something like that and it's like no that's not how it is people are completely fallible yeah yeah what you're saying there George is the issue is, is science is a new religion, mm. you know. People look at the the, the 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 most intelligent people in society for all the answers for bloody everything, mm. you know. And and when it when that doesn't deliver, <laughs> people are left lost. So then they go to the Daily Mail, the Guardian, you know. <laughs> and this is endless, you know. Mm. But as well. 
It sounds weird, but I actually have a, a doctor friend. I say friend, he's sort of more of an acquaintance, but it's one of those things where he does kind of give himself uh, a bit of a complex about that sort of stuff. And he does almost treat uh, science like a religion in the standpoints that all of the answers are there and I'm kind of not necessarily above you, but, you know, I, I know what's going on, so I'll have the answers for you and I'll proxy that to you and all that sort of stuff. So it's quite interesting. Mm. Mm. No, definitely. But they, they say information is power, but you've got to have the right information, haven't you? That, and that's ultimately, it's how valid the information you got. Yeah, and you've got to be able to receive it as well, if you don't understand what it is. No, that's right, absolutely. Just, uh, and, and, and you could talk about Brexit like that, couldn't you? I don't want to go into the Brexit thing, but there is, there is definitely the argument, isn't there, that your understanding of and the implications of that would very much sway how you chose to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and mm. you know, I'm no doubt there'll be a lot of people that may have changed their ideas moving mm. forwards on what was a good idea. And I think you're going to get the same about this. You know, I know hindsight is... is I, get... I know hindsight is BS, isn't it? You, you can, anyone can have hindsight. But um, I think this is going to be one of those ones where some people have done it like countries will have done it really really well or a lot better yeah. and some will have absolutely failed miserably well and countries will have modeled this like I, I work with some blokes that are proper fucking smart like they they can model where and when life-saving activity will need to happen throughout the year and it and it happens you know it, it's we're so predictable as humans our movement patterns are predictable. You know, we, we all do the same shit the same day every week. Westworld season three, son. Whoa. Well, funny you say that, actually, because they were saying that bringing scientists into this, um, what the, on our, we've got um, a guy called uh, uh, Dr. Mark Chen coming on um, the podcast who's, who's a psychologist one of the lead psychologists at Hull University and um, he's a friend of mine uh, and he's hopefully going to give us an insight about human behaviour and so on and so forth which will be really interesting but uh, in fact with the e Ebola virus um, they brought in um, social scientists who uh, when the Ebola was coming around they, one of the biggest spreaders was the washing of dead bodies so actually um these people went into the village leaders uh, the men the, the leaders of the village and, and tried to discourage them from washing the bodies because that was spreading the ebola and it wasn't until uh the social scientists got involved and said well it's not the leaders of the village you need to talk to it's the people who are doing the washing of the bodies and the leaders don't wash it it's the women that do the washing of the bodies, the dead bodies. So it was actually um, that. I mean, I know it sounds really simplistic, but if, if you know, if you don't have that piece of information, yeah. you're probably not going to succeed in stopping a pandemic. And and by doing little things like that, you are flattening the curve. So I, mm. I guess you know, it's um, it, it'll be interesting to see who's got the right advice and who's using and listening to the right people. Um, mm. It's, it's like now, if someone's got a cough or a cold, or and they've got and they can work at home, and they can choose not to go training, choose not to um, do that kind of stuff, and they still do it. Um, 
they either don't believe what's going on, back to what we said before, they don't believe the media, or they're um, ignorant. That's the only that's the only thing in my mind. Now, um, you know, why take the chance? And that leads us on nicely to the last <clears throat> question of the evening, um, which is a bit on a lighter note, but probably just as depressing as everything else. <laughs> uh, if not the worst. This is the worst question. This is the worst thing uh, yeah. in my life. And your life. So, go on. It's the worst thing in my life. What's your question? Uh, so my question's more of kind of just what's every go- everybody going to do to kind of stay sharp with BJJ um, as well. How can you still sort of retain information? Like people learn through different different medias, sort of audio, visual and by doing, which of course the doing is the difficult bit unless you have somebody at home who you can train with. So for example, I've got my wife, so me and my wife have been doing some drilling and been doing some techniques and whatnot. Um, but do you guys find that you can retain information that you find on DVDs uh, without actually drilling it? Quick, quick one, Jordan. Can you explain what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is? Because um, yeah. if someone's listening, they'll be like, what are these geezers banging on about? Okay, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is all about imposing your will on somebody, taking yeah. an advantageous position and either taking the okay. air from them or hyperextending their limbs. Nice. So how do you do that? What's it look like um, for the un- untrained person? What does that look like? It's definitely not a spectator sport uh, from the standpoint <laughs> where um, it does look a lot like people rolling on the floor, hugging each other, mm. which is basically what it is, but it is incredibly technical. And, you know, the way in which you sort of get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is all about the micro details, all about the tiny bits of information that can help you get an advantageous position or apply a really decent submission. Who is is the handsomest man in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, in your opinion? Uh, Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. baby. (laughs) You never, you never get another belt ever (laughs) in your life. (laughs) It just self-promote. That's that's it. When we're all standing doors, no one will care about belts. Oh no, Ryan will promote me because he's a black belt, third degree, right? That's true. Yeah, Yeah, I forgot that. I I think the worrying thing, and it'll be interesting because we've got Ed Ingemel's. BJJ legend coming on the show hopefully later this week um, interestingly the reason that we're all so depressed and sad is that deep down I'm going to be so I'm going to be controversial <laughs> to all those BJJ clubs that set up amazing you know online learning and offering you know online stuff this is not going to help people but I we all know deep down in our heart of hearts that you can't do this sport can't do what we do without physicality you 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 could watch as many dvds as you want Uh, you you're not going to be able to develop the techniques and practical application like um jordan saying without having a drilling partner because you get smashed dave you need to get smashed hard but yeah you also need to you need to do the things that you're trying to do on several people yeah you can't just do it to one pa- it might work on one person because they take six weeks to work out what it is that you're doing to them mm. but you might do it to someone else who's always on their knees so you can't do a particular thing that you're trying to do because they don't pass standing up or you know you you can't you can't do it from you know you can watch as many john danaher dvds as you want but 
you're only ever going to be as good as the people that you're fighting against. Mm. I'm going to be a white belt forever at this rate. <laughs> well, we're all white belts. That'll be that'll be the problem. I mean, the thing is, you don't get better; you get worse with inactivity. It doesn't uh, help either. You it takes me four days to lose all my power. Four days of not training. And I think you a lot... belt, it completely goes. And that's yeah. a lot of us. A lot of us are mental as well. In our own special, you know, you don't. How dare you? A lot of people do martial art, right? And they'll pick a martial art because they want to do a bit of exercise in the afternoon, especially as an adult. Right? You want to do a bit of an, a bit of exercise in the evening. You might do Taekwondo one day a week because you've got kids and you need a hobby and you may, you, maybe you used to play football or something. But you don't do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu one day a week because you don't fucking work if you do it one day a week. Mm-hmm. You have to do it two three five every day of the week it's addictive it's really fucking physical and it seems to attract nutters which is what i love about it (laughs) how dare dare you (laughs) i suppose just to bolt on to what ryan was saying earlier it's one of those things where you know you're talking about trying to implement a certain move set on a particular person and if they're not doing the right thing you have to go to backup b so really you're trying, like, depending on who you're fighting, you might be trying to learn five or six different games that they'll all come mm. together in a long sort of, you know, year process. Okay, in this position, I'm really good at this move. In this position, I'm really good at this move. But it all depends on what the person you're fighting is going to be doing. <coughs> so if you're just you like the I've same... Been... Yeah, I've even considered getting a, one of those grappling dummies off Amazon. I've got my phone, Bobber. Yeah. I'm just gonna literally like I'll wind. She's already said to me that she's. I've been at home for two days and she's already sick of me. Sick of me. So by probably Tuesday next week, she'll actually want to fight me. <laughs> then I'll well, that's the thing. I, I get home and I'm like, it's, darling, come here, come here. Just what's what does this feel like? You know, what's that? What does that feel like? So get off me. You know, <laughs> doesn't want to know. Did you have an underhook though, see dog? Did you have your clothes on, so you Make your gear fine, the best. I, th- I think this is going to be a problem, and it's going to come up worse, because most people do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it keeps them sane. Yeah. And I think the difficulty that people are going to find is mental health problems are, are going to, you know, start emerging left, right, and centre, primarily because people haven't got an outlet to... And I think we're going to have to think of a way around this. To be honest, I think we're going to have to be a bit more imaginative about how we do or what we do to to get an outlet. You know, e- even if we go and, you know, meet somewhere and stand 10 foot apart from each other and conversate, because I think it's going to be um, a difficult place to be um, without well, any I, training. Yeah, I think when, once the lockdown's in place and everyone's been quarantined, so to speak, for two weeks or more, Mm. and you don't you, you then don't mix with not saying this is going to become the gym's policy by any means but if you're if you're quarantined and you're fine your whole family's fine and you're not mixing with everyone else because you're working at home you're good yeah you know or I mean? if you've had it right or if you've had yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. or if Although, I you know what I mean go to the no gym proof that you're going to get immunity though is it yeah no yeah. but you know what I mean in my mind you're good you know what I mean if I go to the gym tomorrow 
and don't leave. Um, you know, you guys are welcome to join me, and then we'll just quarantine at the gym. Then yeah. no problem, right? That's what we should do. <laughs> that's a lot of toilet paper we'd need there. Yeah, that's it. We'd have to stock up. We'd have to restockpile. We'd have to stockpile for ourselves. Uh, ridiculous. I'm, I've hidden the toilet paper as well in loads of massive places there. <laughs> There's loads of toilet paper. We've got loads of toilet paper. Oh, we had so, none the other day when I needed some. Because I've hidden it. <laughs> we did. So yeah. I guess I don't know about you boys, but my bladder is enlarged. Have a wee on the things so we can hear. It. I, need a, I need a drain of. Remember, I um, remember I diagnosed Thanos' prostate problems by his pissing. Yes. We can do the same thing. Almost a doctor. I thought he didn't have prostate problems. He had Manning's equation in actual real science. In real science. <laughs> Look it up. Manning's, Manning's equation. Yeah. So I think we've been going for like just an over an hour. We've been hour over. 15. Hour and 15. So nice. um, I think. Um, we're going to leave some chat for the next episode. Um, I think um, all being well, the next episode, we're going to have um, uh, a guest from Spain who's in lockdown at the moment. We're going to find out what it's like for them over there, what the country are doing about it and um, and how it compares to the UK. Um, we've also got Eddie Gamels coming up to give us his impression. He's quite, he's a very academic guy, actually, very well educated man. So um, he's going to give us his ideas about what's going on at the moment and, and maybe talk about how it's affecting BJJ um, in general and, and, and how we come back from it. And then um, looking forward to another guest is Dr. Mark Chen, a psychologist who's going to give us uh, a few ideas about uh, some human modelling and, and things like that. So uh, loads to look forward to. For those who have listened, thank you very much. You'll find us on the Facebook page. You will find us on SoundCloud. Um, I'm going to say we're going to try and get on Spotify, but pff, who knows if, that, if that's possible. Oh, yes. And we've got some COVID-19 Sasquatch patches that <laughs> can win. We will be displaying them. They have been ordered. So a competition. Keep your eyes out for a competition that's coming up. Um, we will also be giving away the Sasquatch T-shirt. Um, that we are all rocking that you can't see at the moment um, but uh, tomorrow night hopefully when we got visuals uh, you'll be able to see uh, what we got uh, so yeah keep your eyes peeled keep on the page please share with your friends let people know and ask your questions and we'll bring them up in the conversation thank you Jordan thank you Adam thank you C Dog thank you IT tech man Ryan from <laughs> techno mage fucked up the stream it's it, we'll have it sorted the dream is still alive the dream is still alive um, so yeah thanks everyone and I look forward to you seeing you on the next episode of the lockdown Outro, outro. Outro, yeah. <laughs> 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 if you got a piece, you gotta press the piece. Okay, that's not great now because Adam's singing. <laughs> press the piece.